kind of has a has a beak that has an LED in it, um, and then a tail where the micro bit goes. So that kind of tilts up with the micro bit, and there are LEDs um, in front of the tail as well. Um, and then uh, the wheels on the bottom, and the distance sensor kind of sits underneath its beak. So that's kind of hidden from the top. Welcome to Kids Lab, a podcast for parents, educators, and everybody interested in STEAM education. I'm talking to Bambi Brewer about the Finch Robot 2.0. So Bambi is the Director of Engineering at Bird Brain Technologies, the creators of the Finch Robot. Bambi works from the beginning to the end of the development process to design new products, ensure software is reliable and easy to use, and create curriculum pathways to help take robotics projects to the next level. She has a Bachelor in Math and Physics from Rhodes College and a PhD in Robotics from Carnegie Mellon University. She has experience in education at all levels and has been designing robotics curricula since 2013. In her free time, she raises a teenager and knits obsessively. Let's have a look at the Finch Robot 2.0, Birdbrain's latest creation. It's of course the successor of the popular first Finch Robot and a big shift to use the BBC Microbit as a computational brain of this robot. The Finch is a robot that targets kids from kindergarten to college and allows them to experience their coding creations in a hands-on, physical way. The Microbit already features quite a few sensors, such as the accelerometer or buttons. But Finch 2.0 adds even more cool stuff. A whiteboard marker holder, color LEDs, buzzer, light sensor, distance sensor and even line tracking sensor. It's powered by a rechargeable battery that lasts 7 plus hours. And little details make it special for me. Things like visual markers on the wheels so you can count the iterations easily. So that's the geeky hardware bit. The software looks even more exciting with block-based programming in all forms and apps, as well as text-based coding supported. We go into details in the interview. Be sure to check out kidslab.dev for this episode's blog post. Lots of images of the Finch Robot version 2 there. And of course, we got plenty of links too. So again, that's kidslab.dev. Okay, welcome Bambi. Happy to have you on the show. How are you today? Just fine. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Very cool. So the first question I'd have for you is really, how did you personally develop a passion for robotics and education? Um, my path to what I do now wasn't super direct. Um, you meet some people in robotics who have dreamed of making robots since they were a kid, and that definitely wasn't me. Um, I knew I liked math and science, so I studied those in high school, um, and I went did my undergraduate degrees in math and physics because those were subjects I enjoyed. But when I finished, I really wanted to do something more applied. Um, and so I decided to go into robotics. Uh, my original specialty was robotics for rehabilitation after stroke or brain injury. Um, and I was a university professor for about six years. Uh, I taught in a clinical program, teaching people how to make artificial limbs and doing research. Um, and in that time, I had a lot of students who were really smart, who were great students, but who didn't have the math skills that they needed for um, 
some of the biomechanics involved in making artificial limbs. So when I decided to make a career change, I was really interested in K-12 education um, because I'm really passionate about making sure that every kid has the math and science skills to do whatever they decide they want to do as an adult. So that's um, how I came to be working in educational robotics. Wow, it's a beautiful story. Thank you for sharing. So I would say let's let's next hear a bit more about BirdBrain Technologies. You're the engineering director, right? So let's hear a bit about the team location and and also now before we get into the Finch robot, maybe also a bit about your other projects that you have. Sure. Um, so we're a small company based in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. We're a spinoff of Carnegie Mellon uh, University of um, research done there in the Create Lab. So we are a small team. Right now we have uh, five full-time people and three part-time people um, who uh, work to on developing the robots, uh, on getting the robots to everyone, and to making materials so that people can use them effectively. Um, our mission is to inspire deep and joyful learning in all students through creative robotics. Um, and so we do that right now via two products, the Finch and the Hummingbird. Uh, the Hummingbird Robotics Kit um, is designed around the idea of people making their own robots out of craft materials. So we see people making everything from dragons to Shakespeare dioramas to whatever they can dream up. Um, the Finch robot that we're going to talk about today is more specifically designed to engage students in computer science. Yeah, very cool. Then I think let's continue talking about the Finch robot then. So I, I noticed there's a Finch robot 1.0 and that was a standalone robot, I believe. And now the big change for me in version two was that it's, it's now using the micro bits as its brain, I believe. So, um, the first question I'd have for you when it comes to the Finch robot 2.0 would be, what have been the reasons to switch to the micro bit? I would say platform even. So when we went to design um, Finch 2.0, which we've been working on for a couple of years, um, there were a lot of changes we wanted to make from the first one, which was designed uh, in 2010. And a big one was that we wanted wireless Bluetooth technology. And for us, the microbit is a great uh, low-cost platform that includes that Bluetooth functionality as well as um, some buttons, the accelerometer, a lot of things that we also wanted for the Finch. So becoming part of that um, larger platform, and there's a lot of robots, of course, out there now using the microbit, um, was a really great choice for us because it already had um, some of that functionality that we could use and we could build on that to add the features that we wanted for Finch. Plus, it gave us access to the MakeCode platform as well, uh, which is really nice. Very cool. So, so you really see the micro bits as a kind of, um, I would say, as a kind of standard in education by now, I would say, right? Yes, it's quite widespread now. Um, and it's, it's very reliable, which is great for us. We certainly don't want people um, using something that's going to give them a lot of trouble. So there's really been a lot of advantages. And I think the advantage for teachers and people getting started is that they can start with the micro bit, which is quite low cost and do some programming, um, try out some things. And then if they decide that they want to go further, that they need more motors, that they need more LEDs, or they want to do other things, then they can use something like the Finch or the Hummingbird with their micro bit to get some extra capabilities. And I think we just heard the breaking news is the, the micro bit version two is out, right? But it looks like it's also going to stay compatible, at least from the from the outside, looks to me. So, um, 
yeah, it, it, it keeps keeps the promise, I think, to be compatible in the future too, I guess. Yes, they kept um, the most important part, I think, for our products and for others that use the micro bit um, is the pins along the bottom. And they definitely kept those the same so that all of us who use it can update, um, can make sure that it remains compatible. So I, I think we're at this point where we can have a little bit of a nerd talk, basically, <laughs> about the FinRobot version 2. So um, that's the part of the show, basically, where I'm super excited about. And wh whoever is not really in tech uh, might be a bit bored about it. But there's so many cool bells and whistles on the, the FinRobot version 2 that I just want to talk about them. So um, can you give us a little rundown on maybe maybe also first describe how the FinRobot looks, actually, and now how it looks on the outside. And then let's little, look a little bit on the inside, what all kind of features we find in the Finch robot. Sure. So um, the outside, it does have a vaguely bird shape, um, but it doesn't look specifically like a bird. We wanted to leave the design um, somewhat open-ended so that... Um, in the design of the very first Finch robot, that was something that was actually a part of the research, was having the um, robot design be general enough that people could kind of um, assign its own per a personality to it. So there was a lot of research done about engaging students in computer science, and they wanted something that was kind of amorphous, that was a little more flexible, um, but at the same time kind of looked friendly and non-threatening. So we did spend a lot of time making sure it looks kind of cute as well. And so it's kind of has a, has a beak that has an LED in it um, and then a tail where the micro bit goes. So that kind of tilts up with the micro bit and there are LEDs um, in front of the tail as well. Um, and then uh, the wheels on the bottom and the distance sensor kind of sits underneath its beak. So that's kind of hidden from the top. And it's all kind of great um, additions, actually, to the, the microbit, right? I mean, you have, for example, five RGB LEDs, which the microbit, even the version 2 now, doesn't have, right? So it's something um, that's definitely fun to to program, right? And, uh, and you just mentioned the distance sensor. So it's really a very cool extension, right? Plus, of course, you have all these motors that make the robotic uh, process work, of course, right? Very nice. And we were really fortunate, um, like you been saying we did have a Finch one. And so we have the, um, we've been hearing from teachers over the years, what works well, what doesn't. Um, we run a loan program in the US where students can sign up to borrow a flock of 20 Finches um, to use in their classroom for two months. So we've had a lot of people participate through that program because it's totally free. Um, and what we ask of them has been for them to tell us kind of what they're doing, what they like, what they don't like. So going into the design of Finch 2, we had a lot of great information about how people used it in classrooms and what teachers wanted. Um, so we were able to choose uh, when we made changes to the features, um, we were able to use that information. So a lot of people wanted a better distance sensor. So we incorporated that. People, of course, wanted um, uh, wireless control. So that was a big reason um, for going to Bluetooth. Uh, but there were also some that were a little less obvious. Um, the Finch, you haven't held it yet, but it feels a little spring-loaded. Um, and the reason for that is that the most common way for a Finch 1 to die in the classroom was to get stepped on, um, which would snap a wheel off and break the motor. 
So to solve that problem, we put springs in there so it'll bottom out. So if you accidentally step on Finch 2, um, it'll be just fine. <laughs> so. Oh, that's very cool. I mean, there's lo really a lot of um, attention to detail. And um, one thing I also seen is that you have visual markers on the wheels, right? Mm -hmm. So that's uh, so the kids can actually tell how many rotations the wheels make. That's very cool. And that was also a uh, request of um, a computer science teacher that we spoke to uh, early in the process. We talked to some of the people who had experience with our first ones um, and who had broader experience teaching students computer science. And that was something that they wanted. Another feature I think that we've missed so far, I believe, is the whiteboard marker holder, which is kind of cool. Uh, so you can you can actually draw with the Finch robot, right? So you can just uh, put a marker in the middle and that is an extremely cool feature and i guess that's also probably coming from feedback from the teachers then definitely the people did a lot of drawing with finch one but you had to put the marker on the back so you only got rounded corners so we had a lot of people who really wanted to be able to make nicer drawings so that was a pretty big design constraint you can imagine for fitting all the electronics in the middle so that the marker had to pass right through the middle of the axle between the wheels That works really nicely to get geometry drawings. So we have teachers who do some very nice tie-ins with geometry and measuring angles. Um, and we, we think this will work really well for them. I've also done some, just as you say, from a purely technical standpoint, it works really, it's really fun to draw fractals with it. If you're in a language that supports recursion, there's some really cool things yeah. that you can do. I already see a lot of fractals on the ground, actually. <laughs> 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 if if you miss the paper so but very cool so the next thing is that it's also lego compatible it's it, it feels like it's an endless list of, list of extremely cool features so it's lego compatible and so the kids can actually build on top of the finch robot um so can you tell us a bit more about that feature and and who requested that so that one wasn't specifically requested to be lego but we got a lot of requests for wanting to be able to customize it um, and so the Lego is one way that we do that. So people can, can use Legos, but they can also use that base to kind of make their own adapters to design um, their own custom accessories. Uh, get leaves us open to the possibilities of doing that in the future as well. Um, and you can also use the hole in the center to secure those as well. Um, earlier in quarantine, uh, my mother got quite bored um, and was making costumes for Finch too. She doesn't program, but she was uh, enjoying making it little costumes and she used corks um, that she cut down to fit into the hole so that uh, it has like a little wolf head that fits uh, into the hole so that you can do uh, a retelling of uh, Little Red Riding Hood was her idea. <laughs> oh, that's very sweet, actually. Very cool. So let's step into the world of coding then. Okay, so we've talked a lot about the, all the cool bells and whistles and the features and the hardware features, mainly about the Finch 2 now. Um, and I think also when it comes to the coding options, there's a ton of options. So how would you recommend to get started and you know what's the learning path here? Yeah, we do have quite a lot of options available for Finch 2. And for us, that really comes down um, to the deep learning part. We wanted to be able to support students well from very young through university. And so one of the main ways that we do that is by supporting different programming languages. Um, so one way I often think about it is by age. Um, so for the very youngest students, say five to eight, um, most of those are using tablets in the classroom. And so we have kind of an app called Finch Blocks 
that enables really young students, even those who can't um, necessarily read yet, to do some very simple programming. So there are blocks to make the finch move and turn, to light up the beak. Um, And so you can kind of, there are three levels to kind of gradually introduce things. You kind of start with sequences and then you can gradually introduce parameters and loops um, as students are ready for that. Then as students um, move forward in their programming knowledge and in their general knowledge as well. So roughly ages nine to 14, we kind of have people using um, Snap and BirdBlocks and MakeCode. Those are all block-based languages. Um, We support three different ones, partly because they're good at doing different things, but also because they work on different devices. So of course, we have teachers out there with tablets. Uh, We have teachers out there with Chromebooks. We have teachers out there with uh, laptop and desktop computers. Um, And it's really important to us to be able to support the devices that teachers have in their classroom. Um, And so we have a language called BirdBlocks that works on tablets um, and on uh, computers and Chromebooks. We can use options like MakeCode that you download to the robot, um, but also uh, Snap, which is, um, I know you've had former people on the podcast talking about Snap, but uh, it's related to Scratch as a really nice block-based language for beginners that also involves sprites on the screen. So you can do things like use the Finch as a controller with the accelerometer to move your sprite on the screen and make your own game with a controller. So there's a lot of different things you can do with Uh, different programming languages. So we kind of like to support a variety of options. Um, And then, of course, we want to support text-based languages for um, the people who are continuing on in the study of computer science. So Python, because it's a popular introductory language, um, and Java in the U.S. is uh, the language that the AP Computer Science A exam is given in. So it's a very popular language here uh, for high school and also for introductory college courses. Yeah, so it really looks like you can you can begin with the Finch robot and you can actually go all the way to your extended Java studies, actually, which is amazing. We actually even wrote um, libraries for Swift and Kotlin if you want to write your own iOS or Android apps. Um, they're not as visible on the website right now, but definitely if you want to do that as well, <laughs> we are open to, there's some really cool things you can do in iOS with even doing object tracking and stuff through your phone and the Finch that we hope people will give a try. So you seem to be really working very, very closely with the schools and teachers because otherwise there would not be such a great level of detail in that product, I would say. So what do you think are the teachers really looking for when it comes to educational robots? So I think the number one, if you're going to be in a classroom, is something that's durable and reliable. You need to be sure that it's going to work every time you go in for all your classes all day long. Um, So I think for us, that is a big one, particularly as you have teachers at the very beginning, we only had teachers who were really comfortable with technology. Um, As your products get more widespread, you get some teachers who are just coming to learn about computer science, who are just getting started with programming. Um, And we want to make sure that they have the the support that they need as well. So I think teachers are also looking for products that have materials that make it easy to get started. So we try to have a lot of lessons and activities on the website um, that you can use to, once you have your robot, we need to make sure that you know how to use it, that you know all the, how to use the accelerometer, how to do line tracking, all the fun things that you might want to do. 
please. So you're from the US. You mentioned that in the, in the intro and also I mentioned it in the intro. So how do you think STEAM education has actually progressed and developed over the past years from a US perspective? So you've certainly seen um, an expanded emphasis on STEAM and on computer science, computational thinking, um, really throughout K-12. to I would say particularly in K-8 to would be the change because there have been computer science classes at the high school level for years. But over the last few years, you've seen more of a push to help students get started younger. Um, over the last year, of course, that's Over the last six months, that's become quite challenging as many students are working at home right now. Um, so teachers are having to adjust what they're doing to facilitate students who are remote, which I think has been a big challenge recently. As an outlook, is there anything you would like to, to mention? Anything that's coming up actually when it comes to the Finch robot or to BirdBrain technology, some special, maybe even online events that you would like to share with us? Yeah, as people have been using... Uh, working remotely, we've been looking for some tools to help people program robots from a distance. So we've been hosting um, some events ourselves where you can program a Finch 2 over the internet. So from wherever you are, uh, you can sign in and um, see the cameras that show you where the Finch is going and really and program it through NetsBlocks, which is a version of Snap, so that you can write your program where you are and run it where the Finch is. So we've been having some... Um, kind of, we call them playground events where people can try it out. Very cool. And we, of course, have show notes. So we'll put these links into the show notes. And I just see that at least uh, the, one of the events that you've mentioned here uh, in our show docs is, is actually available after the release. Okay. And I would also assume that you have new events coming up all the time so people can register for these future events then. Yes. So I've given you the link for the show notes. So you should be able to click on there and see what's coming up. We do try to vary the uh, times of those because the time differences from different places in the world makes it a little tricky. So we try to um, hold them at different times of day so that people can get their convenient for different people. And another thing I just quickly wanted to mention that we also have lots of really beautiful images in the blog post this time. So um, really check out the show notes, check out kidslab.dev. And Bambi, thank you so much for this great interview. All the best for the future and talk to you soon. You're very welcome. Thanks for having me. I hope you enjoyed another episode about robotics. The Finch 2.0 definitely makes a great robotic coding tool for kids and includes all kinds of features you'd hope for. Head over to kidslab.dev to check out the show notes with all the links of this episode. And of course, don't forget to subscribe now if you don't want to miss a future one. Next up, we'll be having more robotics, but this time a bit more DIY style. I'm talking to Camillo Para Palacio about the Auto DIY open source robotic project. Yeah.